This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. When we say that girl aesthetic, like everybody knows what they're talking about. Like everybody knows who that girl is. And then it sets a whole section of us being like, you're not that girl. And let me tell you, very, very gorgeous, gorgeous, successful girls are not that girl. And we're doing great. And we've got five minutes and three steps in our skincare. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast. I have a little bit of like a sore voice. Like I wouldn't say that my voice is gone, but I definitely feel a little bit more raspy. It's giving Brooke Davis. And I don't know if anyone else does this, but like whenever I get a little, you know, like either sick or like I've I've talked, I've screamed, I've sang a lot, like my voice gets a little gone. I always just channel Brooke Davis and I love it. And I never want my voice to return back to normal. Like I am loving this right now. It's actually gotten a little bit better. Yesterday was like peak raspy. Like it was great. I know that some people are like, oh, I hate when I, my voice gets lost or like when I lose my voice. Uh, no, I love it. I really, really love it. It's just like, oh, I think it sounds so good. Maybe it's because I grew up with One Tree Hill and Brooke is my favorite character. I don't know, but I'm here for it. And I want to fill you in on this weekend because I know last time I recorded my podcast, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I was talking about my birthday. I was talking about the plans I was doing. And last week, my update was, you know, I had such a peaceful birthday. I went to the spa. I I had like gotten a really healthy lunch, dinner. Like it was so peaceful. Valet lost my car keys, all of that. This, and that was not peaceful, but you know, that was that was a little tidbit. This weekend, I have no low. I'm just going to give you the entire high because I'm just so freaking, I like, oh my God, it was just the best weekend ever. So we're going to start it off by last week was Miami Tech Week. And so I'm trying not to keep this intro super long because I think I could make like a whole episode on like what I did this past week. But last week was Miami Tech Week. And pretty much what Tech Week is, is where a lot of investors, a lot of founders, a lot of people that just work in tech in general, and especially like a lot of VC firms, they host a lot of events, they do parties, there's fireside chats. And like, it's just a very big tech scene for people in Miami and for people from SF, LA, New York City, like all over the the country will come to Miami for these events. And so it's funny because like, I feel like I'm very immersed now in the tech world. And obviously because I am the founder of Rella, but just like I've, I've made a lot of friends in it. I've met a lot of people in it and I'm very immersed in the tech world. And it's just kind of different than the influencer world, but similar at the same time. Like the type of people that go to these events are different, but the events kind of are like the same. But I don't know. It's different because I guess when I go to like VC events, I'm like, the net worth in here? Like, what is the average net worth? Because obviously, people in VC have a lot of money, uh, especially like if they're like LPs of these VC firms. So I'm like, what's the average net worth? When I go to influencer events, I'm like, what's the average follower account? (laughs) Like, it's like, it's the same, but different. Very, very different. But anyways, went to a lot of events. Started Wednesday. My two co-founders came to visit me in Miami. And also my friend Julie came as well. So we I brought Julie along to all of these like tech week events. But on Wednesday night, we went, I actually don't remember where we went 
on Wednesday. I think we went to a craft ventures party. So it's a VC firm. They had a party and it was so much fun. It was at the Windwood Walls and Vanilla Ice was performing. And at first I thought it was an impersonator. I was like, oh, this person's singing like Ice Ice Baby. Like, cool. And then we looked up what Vanilla Ice looked like and we're like, oh my God, that's Vanilla Ice. So it was really fun. And then Thursday, there was another like happy hour party type of thing. And mind you, all of these events have like open bars and a lot of alcohol, which I definitely did not get like drunk or anything like that during the week, at least for the most part. But I was like, it was it was just like an environment where you're constantly being encouraged to drink. So did that on Thursday. We went to some like happy hour and then we picked up my two other friends that were coming to visit me. And then on Friday, I took the day off and went to the design district, toured a house. I didn't really do much for tech week. And then Saturday, my friends and I, we had a yacht party. So it was at 9 a.m., which was really early, but we went on a yacht. And the night before we had gone out in Miami, we went to Dirty Rabbit, which is like my favorite bar in Miami because they just play reggaeton the whole time. It's like my favorite type of music. But on Saturday, then we had like a yacht party, went on this 90 foot yacht, which is just like freaking insane. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, it was just like crazy. We had that boat for like three hours. And then we ended up going to Strawberry Moon, which is like kind of like a rooftop pool club party area in Miami. And honestly, I don't plan on ever going back. It just gave me like Vegas vibes and it was really expensive. And I didn't really love spending all that money, but it was still really fun. And then on Saturday night, I just chilled. I finished watching The Dropout, which is like one of my new favorite shows on Hulu. And then Sunday was just like a very, very chill day. Also, we didn't really do much, but my weekend was amazing and it was so much fun and I needed to fill you guys in. And so I posted like a reel and a TikTok on it, but I just want to say how grateful I am for my friends. And I feel like as you get older, it's easy to forget about your friends or it's easy to like all be like in different parts of the country. Like, I mean, my friend Tochi visited from Atlanta. My friend Spain visited from DC. Julie from Dallas. My two co-founders from Raleigh. And to have everyone in one place was just like so special. And then I had like my friends from Miami that came and joined. And I don't know, it was just really, really special. And I just felt so grateful and so loved. And I'm like, we got to plan this again. Like, I just, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's sad because your friends are all over. But when you get together, it's so nice. And you can make like a huge trip out of it rather than seeing each other every weekend and having it just be like casual. So I'm trying to look at the bright side of things. But I'm not going to do a low this week because I had such a high. And it's kind of like the low is like afterwards, like when when I'm not doing that stuff now, I'm like, oh my God, I'm back to work. I was like moving in slow motion on Monday because it's just like, I don't know, this weekend was exhausting, but so much fun at the same time. So that was my weekend. That was my birthday. Highly recommend doing something like that if you guys live in Miami. I thought it was like the perfect weekend it was like dinner, bar, boat, club. <laughs> I mean, very high key weekend, but once in a while, it's really fun. And then this weekend, my friend Allie is actually visiting me. So I'm really excited to have her visit. She couldn't come down last week, but she's visiting me this week. And I think we're going to do like another boat ride. And I don't know, it's just gonna be a lot of fun. So I am so happy that summer is here. Summer in Miami, I know people like, don't like it because it gets really hot here. But honestly, like everyone comes like just being on the water is so nice. And so like I'm going to be living in the ocean every weekend of summer, pretty much. So that's kind of my update. It was very fast. I tried to speed it up. Sorry if you're listening to this in like 2x speed because I feel like I talked really fast. But anyways, we're gonna we're gonna get into what this episode is about. And this episode is not about my birthday. It's not about Miami. 
I have one of my favorite guests that I have ever recorded on the show, and it was such an honor to be speaking with Sarah Nicole Landry. Before we get into this episode, I did want to give like a little trigger warning where we do talk about eating disorders, um, we do talk about weight loss, and we also talk about diet culture. So if anything like that makes you uncomfortable or you don't want to listen to this episode, please feel free to click out. I don't want to make anyone feel like triggered or uncomfortable or anything like that. So I did want to include that before we dive into it. But Sarah Nicole Landry, if you do not know who she is, is the bird's papaya. She is a mother. She's a writer. She's a creator. She's also a speaker. And I definitely feel like you've seen her on social media or listened to her podcast because it's a very, very like widely listened to podcast. I, I really, really love it. She began her journey actually over a decade ago with a blog. So she is an OG blogger and she fell in love with the community that she was building. And she finally felt seen and heard for all that she was and who she was. And she wanted others to experience the same thing. So she actually kind of blew up and made headlines when she bared it all, stretch marks included, for Nixwear. And she's since become a beacon of body positivity and also body neutrality which I feel like isn't talked about enough. It's that place where, you know, it's not like you're, oh my God, I love my body, but you are neutral with it. You don't hate it. You don't love it. It is a body. It supports you. It's, it gives you strength. It is keeping you alive. It's like, you know, we don't always need to be in love with ourselves. I think there is some sort of beauty and being neutral with yourself. And I don't think that's talked about enough, but we definitely dive into it in today's podcast. And she's done a whole lot of healing through her perfectionism, her disordered eating. She's had a lot of body shame and she shows up online to share her personal experiences and open up the conversation around taboo topics such as divorce, maternal, mental health, and her body confidence and so much more. And I just am so happy that, you know, in this generation today, there are people like her. Because when I was growing up, and I, I do, I'm obviously still growing up, but when I was growing up, when I was really young, the people that I saw were, you know, these celebrities and these Victoria's Secret models and these people that were really like unrealistic, still beautiful. Like I don't want to shame them at all because I think that they were so incredibly beautiful, but they weren't as realistic. And I felt like it was one way or no way. And I'm just really thankful for people like Sarah who show, you know, what other bodies look like, but also like are just talk about body positivity, body neutrality, and also healing. Because I, I think that so many times the pendulum swings from one extreme to another. And Sarah does a really good job at just being vulnerable, being herself and being a relatable woman on social media. And her audience has grown to over 2 million followers. She has a podcast. So we love a multifaceted woman. And she believes that confidence is an action, not a feeling, which I think is so important to talk about. And I mean, we both talked about, you know, growing up, like I was telling you, it wasn't as diverse as it is today. And she grew up in the 90s and 2000s where the ideal body type was coined heroin chic. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Despite losing over 100 pounds and also documenting her carefully curated, you know, perfect life on Instagram, she just kind of got tired of that feeling and she even felt more insecure than ever before. So ultimately, she decided she didn't want to be robbed of life due to her body type and she started diversifying what she posted. She started being more open. She started being more vulnerable. She started making women feel like they actually do fit in and I 
absolutely love that. So we talk a lot about body positivity, neutrality, confidence, and she's just such a light. And I'm just so happy that she was on my podcast. So in today's episode, we dive into Sarah's journey to self-acceptance and the impact that social media played, the ways that she shows up for herself every single day and practices self-love, why you don't have to be that girl, quote unquote, and can be whatever girl you want to be, which I have my thoughts on that. You'll hear them here and how you can become more confident online and offline. I know you're going to love this, especially if you listen to the Birds Papaya. I feel like this is just another side of Sarah. And I'm so happy that we got to interview her on this podcast. But I know you'll love the episode. Again, we do talk about diet culture, disordered eating. So take that as you will. But I just I'm, I'm really proud of this episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Sarah to the show. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Airs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. 
I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Well, hi, Sarah. I'm super excited to have you on my podcast. Thanks for coming on. I'm so happy to be here, even though I'm a little salty that you're in warm weather and I'm not. Yeah, I know. I feel like whenever I tell people I'm in Miami and they're like in a very like cold place, I'm like, I don't even know what, like, obviously I just moved here like a year ago, but it's been the okay. first year without seasons for me since <gasps> I was really little. And so it's weird. Like time moves so quickly because I don't have seasons. Your wardrobe must be so nice though, because I, I have to like take half of my closet out and took it away. I went to LA last week and I was like, where's all my summer clothes? Because everything is like truly tucked away. And yeah, you have to like live that way because there's never enough. Yeah. But whenever I go to a cold place, I don't have clothes here to pack. Like I left it all with my family in North Carolina. So mm. I like don't have like the puffer jackets and the sweaters. So I'm like, I'm just going to borrow whoever I'm staying with clothes. Yeah. Just like rent the runway. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. But before we get into the topics, I want to start with setting the record straight. So it's some assumptions, stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. All right. So first one is you need to be vulnerable to form a community. I don't think so. I think it's one way, but I don't think it's the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like today people feel like they need to share everything online and like their entire lives online. But I do think that there is a beauty and setting those boundaries and not, you know, sharing absolutely everything. hundred percent. Yeah. Like you can share everything. And I think that obviously people can trust you and like be, you know, like, I think it's one way to grow if you feel comfortable, but I feel like for people that don't feel comfortable, it's not the only way. And that's not like the only way that, that you can grow. Exactly. Especially for like brands or like celebrities. We watch all of these people grow communities and never mention a lot of stuff in their personal lives, even if like that's why we're following. So I know it's possible to do other ways. And I also know for myself, I've got hard boundaries on some aspects of my life. And then others I literally can't shut up about <laughs> and would probably be TMI for so many people. But I also feel like it's very personality based and if it's putting you out of your own comfort, that's not community building and that's not proper vulnerability. That's just putting you into a discomfort for the sake of others. Just the same way we would remind people not to do that um, in relationships. Like don't make yourself uncomfortable for the comfort of others. Like that is the same way on your platforms. Like you don't have to go there all the time. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. And like, that's what we tell others in relationships. Like you are forming a relationship with someone, even if it's across a screen or across a computer. Yep. And those boundaries still need to be there. And like, you still need to feel comfortable, like you said. Yeah. And I think with sharing and being vulnerable online, it also opens up that door and that window. And that's one thing that I love and respect so much in my community. But at the same time, there it takes an emotional energy to like go into your DMs because now you're in this like shared experience of life. You can be talking about one thing and then you're like now holding everybody else's stories too with potentially not the ability to like take that on all the time. 
it's complex, right? Like, and I think that's why sometimes I just show up very fluffy online. And that's usually when I'm like emotionally tapped out. I just know that if I show up very vulnerable, I'm going to be met with that vulnerability. And that's such an amazing place to connect. But if I show up vulnerably and people come back to me with their own personal stories and I'm like, sorry, don't have capacity, I'm breaking down that trust and I don't want to do that either. Yeah. And also it's, it can be really draining always being in response mode and like reactive mode where you have to be answering to other people and you have to, you know, put thought into this crafted response and you have to show up for them because yeah, that one person might have sent you a DM, but you might have 30 people that are just like that one person that sends you a DM. And so it can be really, really, really exhausting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I actually do. Uh, I put a time cap. So I do four hours a day in DMs. And and that might seem like a lot, but I made a commitment when I first quit my job to do social media full time that I'm if this is the community that has given me this opportunity to do all of these amazing things, then I need to show up for them as much as possible. I used to be like, I, at the end of the day, I would try and get to every single DM and it got too much. So now I just explain to people, I'll do four hours a day. And it's not a lottery. I just like get to what I get to. And it, I then I can really forgive myself for not being able to do it all and trying my best with it, especially for those stuck in message requests, because that makes me feel sick sometimes. And I know there's people who've written and written and written and never gotten a response. But I I like to be interactive. I like that half of my workday is spent in the community that lets me do all these really cool, amazing things. That's in, okay. Four hours is props to you because that sounds like so much. But yeah, and also that's why you have like your community. That's why you have such a cult following. It's they are like such a huge part of why you are where you are today. So I agree. Like you have to give back. But oh my god, props to you because that is a lot of time. It is a lot of time, but I think that I would have spent it on social media just like scrolling around anyway. So I, I I just try and make it useful. And I think at the end of the day, like we all have to look at our if you're if you're gonna look at it as a business, because people are now businesses, right? Like when you step into creatorship, like you blur the line of person to brand. And if you're gonna like pay attention to like what are your biggest growth formats, like and this sounds like so contrived. I mean, like my heart of it is like really building community and trust. But also recognizing from a business standpoint, having a really trusted community that feels connected into what I'm doing causes them to want to be a part of it. It causes them to want to download my app. It causes them to want to share my posts. Like just the same way I do that when I see people that I love and adore that I'm like such a part of their following, I want to hype them up and I want to be about it. And that's how you get seen on a bigger, like all of my growth, everyone's always like, how did you grow so fast? Like, well, first of all, I did it for like a decade without anybody paying attention, <laughs> but you know, eventually it got there and all I could reflect on was every single time people were sharing my content, I was growing immensely. So at the end of the day, my community is how my platform grew. I did work, I did stuff, I shared things, but they were the ones that amplified it to put it at the point that it is. And so if I'm going to look at where my greatest investment can go, it's not in taking more pictures and writing new things all the time. It's spending time with the people who are letting me do this, who are sharing my work, who are invested in me. So I invest in them. Yeah. Okay. You're inspiring me to spend at least like an hour a day going through like that dedicated time. Cause I think it's the fact that I don't have like dedicated time. It's like, Oh, like I have five minutes here. I have five minutes there. You know, let me quickly answer. But then I feel like 
I get so behind because I'm not sitting down and being like, okay, I'm going to do this for X amount of time a day. Yeah. Yeah. Actually scheduling it and make it a part of your work is super helpful. And it also gives me better boundaries because otherwise I'd be on my phone all day and forever. And, you know, I like to spend some time in like comments on photos and stuff, but the most of it, I like to spend in DMs because I think that's where people like to be a little bit more anyways. I agree. And then the next one is that the word self-love is thrown around a lot. It's so thrown around and it's such a misconception. Not a misconception. Self-love is incredibly important. I think what has gone astray is that everyone has related self-love to an emotional feeling and connection towards ourselves. You should find connection, sure. But are you going to wake up and feel butterflies in your belly when you look in the mirror every day? No, like probably not. That might come every once in a while. You might have that feeling, but don't put this very, I don't know, imagine like your your um, romantic relationships being hinged on something that's such a variable, like what your body looks like that day. It doesn't work. So to place lo- like self-love into this category of a feeling, I think is incredibly hard for people because then it becomes something that they feel like they're failing at all the time. And so self-love then becomes something that feels like it's for some and not for others. What I try and do is remind myself that self-love is not a feeling, it's an action. And just like it is in my marriage, in parenting, in being a friend, sometimes it's like really exciting and there's butterflies and sparks and it's amazing. But most of the time and the heartbeat of those relationships is showing up and is like figuring out what that person needs, how to be that friend, how to be that partner, how to be that parent. And then for ourselves, we're like, why don't I not feel it? Well, because you need to show up in it. You need to figure out how to love yourself and you need to figure out what is serving you and what is not and start paying attention to that and and showing up in action, even when the feeling isn't there, I think is the key. Yeah. And I know a lot of times people always say, you know, like love is a choice. Like it's not just, oh, the butterflies that you have, like you said, or like the the fuzzy feeling that you have, because that always goes away at a point. It can obviously re-spark and like come back, but it's so unrealistic to say that you're going to feel that way every single day of the year, all the time, because that's not how it works in relationships. It's not how it works with anything. Like I don't think there's anything that I'm like, oh my God, I'm so in love with this every single day of the year. And I'm like, feel the same way every single day. Like it just doesn't happen. It is something that you have to do, take action for. Yeah. You have to put in the work and you also have to recognize that people aren't going to celebrate that kind of love like they do all the other relationships. So you really got to get loud with yourself. You have to figure out how to be very self-validating in that own experience of what that love looks like. And and it's so different for everyone, but there's like these little glimmers of moments where you really show up for yourself and you advocate for yourself or you wear that thing that you really wanted to wear and we just like slough it off as a moment, but you're like, "No, like that was that was a huge self-romantic moment that I did for myself. I wooed myself. I paid attention to her. I did what she wanted and not paying attention to what everybody else wanted." And and the more I reflect upon like my marriage, the more I reflect upon my relationship with myself because I I think that it's so easy to see the actions in a marriage and how you show up and like how you're showing love every single day. And there's like millions of books on that. And then there's all these books on self-love, but they're so focused on liking what you see. And I, and I just think that that's 
that's too much a variable for us to to follow along on because we're constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. Our bodies are ebbing and flowing all the time. So we have to figure out how to show up in love with that variable not being at the core of it. Yeah, I love that. And also showing up in the sense of like the difference between or having confidence with that self-love too. Like I feel like a lot of times confidence is one of those like fake it till you make it where you might not feel necessarily super, super confident in the moment, but it's doing things that help you gain that confidence so that you can look back and be like, oh no, I did that. Like I kept that promise to myself. I did what I wanted to do. Like that adds to being more of a confident person also. I think it's the exact same as as, as love, as self-love. Like it is, it is also a choice. And you even said like, fake it till you make it. And I was reflecting on it the other day and I'm like, I still haven't made it. I still haven't gotten <laughs> that. Like I wake up every day and I feel confident. Again, I think we've misplaced it as an emotion and really forget that it's every day you're showing up. And uh, some days it takes a little bit longer and sometimes it gets a bit shorter. And everybody that I've met that I think is like this really confident person, I was backstage with somebody who was putting on this massive show and they had a lineup around the block and she was shitting herself, like nervous to go out there. And I was like, how are you nervous? Everybody is here for you. Everybody is. And she was just like, oh my gosh, like I can't even just so flustered. And then I watched her make that choice and I watched her step out and just become who she needed to be. And I think we do this a lot. We mix ourselves up with our own emotions, especially when it comes to like clothes and hair and lipstick. We're like, who? I was just talking about this on TikTok the other day, but like, why do we have it that like when we wear red lipstick, that makes us fierce, that makes us more confident? Like whose lips are those? Like what? Whose lips are those? Whose words are coming out of that mouth? Who made that choice to wear that? It's reflecting the confidence that you chose, not something. You can't give credit to a lipstick. Give credit where credit's due. Give it like you did that. And I think the more that we pay attention to like, it's not that fire outfit that made you confident. It's the choice to wear it. And it's, it's you in it, right? Like that's what makes it confident. But I get it. And the more we pay attention to it, I think for me, like when you put on a pair of high heels and like a bold lipstick, there is something that kind of comes out of you. But I don't think you can be like, yeah, confidence is in a pair of shoes. It's in a (laughs) lipstick. No, it's in our choices, right? It's in our choices to have our knees shaking and step out on stages and to be scared all the time. Like I think every single photo I see of myself that I look so powerful and confident, I have to remember that I didn't feel that, that I chose it. It was always a choice. So in terms of faking it till you make it, I think I'll be 80 and still doing it. And I love that. I love that I get to just keep showing up. And that is what confidence is. It's not some feeling that some people have and others don't. It's just truly a choice that we make, even Mm -hmm. when we're not feeling it. No, I love that. You know, you always wait for that moment. Like, okay, when am I going to finally stop feeling like an imposter? When am I finally going to stop feeling like oh my God, why am I in this room? Or like, can I, do I have this credibility? And I don't know if I'll ever feel that way. And, but it's, it's that same thing of like having to do it. Like yesterday, for example, I went to this networking event a hundred percent by myself. Like, Ooh, I've been there. It's like a lot. Yeah. Like everyone was like groups talking to people and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to get a drink. I'm going to go get snacks. Hopefully someone will talk to me on the way there. And like, thankfully after a little bit, I was like, I'm just going to talk to people. Like literally it's a networking event. That is what everyone is here for. And so I just like made that choice to do it, but I was so nervous. I was like, are people going to think I'm annoying? Like, should I even be here? You know, like everyone seems like they have friends already, but 
then at the end of the night, I like ended up saying like, even after it closed and started meeting yep. people and it it was just like making that choice to go and actually like talk to people and do it, even if I didn't want to. Some of my biggest career like connections came from showing up to events by myself, being so scared, not knowing anybody and just like finding somebody in the room to talk to. And then sure enough, they know somebody and goes into this. I got I got major brand deals and like stuff that lasted my career through putting myself in situations that not that I was uncomfortable, but like it really took that confidence choice, right? Because and that imposter syndrome that sort of I think it's been such a buzzword over the last few years, but I think it's an important acknowledgement into uh, almost like our anxiety in social situations and not feeling um, always worthy to be in certain rooms. I get it all the time. It does not matter what the stats are on Instagram or or what my following is or how long I've been doing it. It's just something that you have to work through on an almost a daily basis, right? And I think that to feel like you're the only one that experiences that is is just a bold lie. I think almost everybody I've ever met has that feeling of either imposter syndrome or when's the other shoe going to drop? That idea of I don't actually deserve this and at some point people are going to figure me out or they're going to drop me or they're going to cancel me and I'm going to be irrelevant, right? Like this is a very common beat line. And and I think about it all the time about musicians because – they have like these number one hits. Like what happens after you do that? You don't just like your career isn't just set. You have to keep going. It's like this, you have to top yourself all the time. And so I can imagine that imposter syndrome might actually even happen to somebody like a Taylor Swift because she's constantly in demand for more, right? Like she has to up, she has to up the game. She has to better that last album. I can't imagine what that pressure must be like, but I think we all kind of have it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next one, speaking of also social media, is that mm. social media can be toxic. 100% can be toxic. And if it can be toxic, it also could be non-toxic. It can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. It can be amazing. It, I would not be where I am in healing my body image issues and my disordered eating and just so much of who I am today is because of what I've witnessed on social media. Do I also think that it caused some problems? Perhaps, but I remember feeling like shit about myself before social media became a thing. So I think it is, again, part of us navigating the world and and finding boundaries. What I do love about social media is it does have hard boundaries in terms of like, yeah, you're going to see a bunch of stuff, but you can also create it to be something that's safe for you. You have control over who you follow. You can mute things you don't want to see. These are like really key self-care things, right? It's really important to pay attention to. But I ultimately think that if anything can be, I don't know, one of my favorite songs is like Poison and Wine. And I think about it all the time because you could always be both, right? You can you can be poison or you can be wine. And I think the same for social media. It can be one or the other. So you kind of got to make it what it is and try and keep it as non-toxic as possible for yourself. I like what you said with you were feeling bad about yourself even before social media. Like it wasn't that, oh, social media has now sparked all of these issues. Like these things have been around. They can be amplified on social media depending on what you're consuming. Like if you are constantly consuming these things that are making you feel bad about yourself, there is no limit. Like you can literally scroll all day. But I do think that those issues were here even before. So I'm curious, like when you were growing up, what was the body culture like, diet culture? Was it what it is today where it's like, okay, you know, the curvy, like, uh, 
Kylie Jenner, big lips type of <laughs> uh, body image? No. Or- I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. So I grew up when it was like, they called it heroin chic. Yeah. It was like cool to have like this incredibly frail body. Tumblr was big. So everyone had like these boards of like, you know, the nothing tastes as good as skinny feels like bullshit. Have you had spaghetti? Like, yeah, it, like I went all the way. I I got my body so small that I was a size zero and just... I lived that life and I'm like, no, there's so much more to life that I I almost, not to like discourage anybody, but almost had to go all the way there to see how uh, like it wasn't all that it was kind of chalked up to be. Being thin didn't solve all of my life's problems and then kind of got to come back. But I grew up in the era of like the ginger spice of the Spice Girls being a curvy model. And I was like, thank God there's somebody with a curve. I was always the bigger girl in my classes. I, you know, I developed really young and I was plus size in high school. There was a few people in school that were also plus size as it's a normal thing, but none of us had clothes that we could ever find. And I was like a size 14, 16, which was considered plus. And I used to have to like drive to the States because I'm in Canada. I had to drive to the States because Old Navy was the only brand that carried jeans my size. And so I had all of these experiences. I just took up being a tomboy, what I would call a tomboy, because I was like, I don't know. I just have to dress in hoodies, like in jeans all the time. And I witnessed my friends have very different experiences through childhood. Um, But the images that we saw, I mean, Victoria's Secret Angels, the low-rise jeans and the high-rise underwear, the high thongs, like these were all things. So I just definitely had to, I had zero relatability in terms of what anybody looked like. And so it was easier for me to just pretend like none of it mattered and I didn't care at all to be like that. There wasn't options for me to be really feminine or dress a different way. And I was overly terrified of showing my body. I swam in t-shirts all the time. I had a really bad sunburn as a kid. So I used to just tell people I couldn't wear anything but a t-shirt. But like that was my entire experience was like hiding my body. And so this is why I feel like in the now times, we see a character like Kat and Euphoria wearing things that are like tight and sexy and like she's just iconic and everyone's just swooning over her. And I just wish I had somebody like that that could have shown me when I was younger, that like it wasn't something to be apologetic for or to be sad about or to live a lesser life because because that's essentially what I did. I I got married really, really young and had kids really, really young. And it and it wasn't until having kids and I was like, oh, I look like this because I had children. And I just kept masking and hiding and doing all that. And a big part of that was because of the era I grew up in and, you know, these images that we were constantly saturated with. And I think that's why now it's so important that, yeah, you know, body image stuff has become extremely mainstream, but also it's going to take a great saturation of a different image to heal and get the pendulum to swing down to the center to balance out what the decades and it didn't stop and like it wasn't just the 90s it was the 80s mm-hmm. the 70s every there was a body difference in terms of the ideal every single decade so we've been dealing with this like constant goalpost moving for our entire lives and then our mother's lives and then our mother's mother's lives like it just keeps going all the way up and i think we are and potentially through the medium of social media i think we might be the start of the cycle breakers 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying with the fact that like every generation has a different, you know, body image ideal and what they throw at you and how I grew up. So I was born in 96. So mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I didn't see like, I, I saw like super, super thin, super skinny. But I think by the time I got to like middle school, it, it wasn't like as big. Like, I don't really remember that being like the, like a center of like what beauty looked like, quote quote unquote. But I remember when social media was introduced and I was in high school, people then can start comparing themselves to like normal girls. And so it was like, oh, well, like I understand like these supermodels look like that because they're supermodels. But like, if this girl from the high school next door looks like that, like, why don't I look like that? You know, and it was then like Everybody starting... became a supermodel and everyone yeah. was face tuning their way through it, right? If you think of OG Instagram, it was all about what we looked like and what we were eating. It was like really pretty pictures of our food and really pretty pictures of our bodies. That's actually why I, I chose to lose weight was because I was like, if I'm going to make it anywhere, I've got to look like that. That's a really scary thing to to realize. Yeah. And did you start blogging before you decided to like go on this weight loss journey or did you start blogging afterwards? Like what was that period like? I started blogging at like before Instagram was even a thing. So my kids, I have teenage girls um, and a son who's uh, 11. But when my my older girls, when they were toddlers, essentially. So going back 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, that's when I started. Um, and then it, it always shifts, right? Like where, where the conversations are happening, we're shifting. So it started there. And then it went to like Facebook a little bit with like Facebook pages. And then it was Instagram, but everything changed with Instagram because it wasn't anymore about like your kids and your house and storytelling. It was very much about what you looked like and what you were eating. And so that imposter syndrome we talked about, like that was huge for me, but it also terrified me because suddenly the lens had to be on me in order to carry my platform over to something new. I think it's kind of the same way how like people are struggling now between like Instagram and TikTok because TikTok, you really need to have a personality if you're going to make it. And on Instagram, you can just have a pretty face and a pretty picture and like you did well. So every new medium kind of evolves the whole conversation. But for me, I was so uncomfortable with, you know, I was well over 200 pounds. Nothing wrong with that. Now I realize that. But at the time I was like, well, if I, if I'm going to make it, I need to, not that it's success there, but I, I saw it as success across the board. I thought my whole life would open up for me by losing weight. The funny thing about diet culture and about a restrictive lifestyle is it restricts all of your lifestyle. So I no longer could just casually go out and eat food. I no longer could just move through my days properly. It was an obsession. It was a culture I was a part of, and it was all about like being healthy and wellness, but it was actually just never eating and exercising as much as possible. And these before and after photos, which when once I started doing that and I got so much attention for it and my following was growing, then it became an addiction because I was so validated by social media for getting smaller, except for when I got to the end and I was very, very small and medical issues started to come up because I wasn't eating enough and I was over-exercising and I was like losing feeling in my legs and I was having all of these like chronic issues. If you even go back and look at the photos, because I've kept them all up, I had to facetune my under eyes so much because I was like sunken. My face was sunken. I had like loose skin even under like my chin. Like I was, 
I was so gaunt, but I was hiding it as much as possible. And at no point did I ever feel enough. Did that body anxiety ever leave me? In fact, it actually got worse. So I stopped going out to things. I stopped leaving the house as much because I realized that the more I showed up in the real world, that people were going to be like, hey, you don't look exactly like you do online. Like you look bigger Mm -hmm. in person or all these like narratives that I had made in my head. So once Instagram really shifted and took that control over my life, it really caused me to go so deep into diet culture because I was seeing success in it. So I had to really, this is before anything was mainstream. I had to do a complete 180 on my platform, but I also had a full-time job at this point. So I felt less risky about it. I never really thought that any of this was going to be like real or take off. So for me, it was just kind of a side thing, but I had to change because I was slowly essentially dying. I was going through so much life change. I was going through a divorce. I was living at my parents' house. I had to heal and I had to heal fully. And I had to let my platform kind of die. Like I had to let it just go and be what it was. And I never, ever, ever would have thought that through all of that change and me starting to show up more myself and allowing myself to heal, allowing myself to gain weight, allow myself to like get remarried, all of these things that felt so uncomfortable for a season of life started to become the reason that people were following me, that were connecting. They were, we were mirroring in these situations with our bodies that I always felt so alone in. Things like my stretch marks, I'd never seen them on anybody else. So it took me posting a photo for other people to be like, that looks exactly like my stomach. And those were the first moments I ever found out that I wasn't the only only one. Because when you grow up and you've never seen yourself represented in anything, it's really hard to show up in your life. And so I tried to be that thing that I thought was going to fit in and turned out that it was just, it was killing me essentially. So now I kind of live in this balance of, you know what, I don't know I'm ever going to love the way I look, but I know that I that it's so important that I live my life. And I know that it's so important that I honor my body and its changes. And I know that sometimes I really do love the way I look and that's okay too. But that ultimately, I don't want to be robbed of the experience of life because some dickhole somewhere decided that I didn't fit the mold. Like I just can't Mm -hmm. do that anymore. I can't live that life anymore. And I know that for myself, I'm only one facet of like representation. So I try and follow as many different diverse bodies and stories now as possible because everybody has a different story. I'm not a marginalized body by any means. I have a different body than maybe what would be considered societally acceptable. But there's people who are like, truly can't even get on buses and airplanes. And like, there's, there's ableism, there's so much more. And I think it just really opened the door for me to kind of instead of how can we all fit in? How can we be included into the experience of being a woman or being included into the experience of like, society? What if we just did? Like, what if we just showed up? What if we just lived our lives instead of like trying to like, what if we diversified it instead of trying to be included into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think that today on social media, in the media, representation has done like a better job? Or do you think that we've come a long way? Or do you think that there's still like a long way to go? Because I know that there's more bodies represented, but I don't know if it's that like token, you know, like, oh, we just need to include like one person that looks a little different here. Mm. Or do you think that it's we've we've come a long way? I always wonder about that in terms of like, is it tokenism or or is it diversity, right? And uh, I don't know. I know the value of feeling seen or mirrored or represented in something. And I love when brands put in the effort to do that. 
I think there are some incredible brands who are doing such a good job of that. NYX, the underwear brand, is doing an incredible one. Fenty, Rihanna is doing an incredible one. She's doing it for men as well. We've seen even brands like Aerie and Old Navy. I mean, Old Navy now has sizes up to 30, and they don't have it as a separate section in the store. It's now an included section of the store. There is so much change happening. You can now walk into a mall and see mannequins of different sizes. Like, I don't even think that that adds up. But we also have to be so forgiving of people and the fact that for a lot of us, you move through life without realizing what's wrong with society until you land on the other side of it, until you've been there, until you understand like what it's like to never see yourself or to always feel ousted. So I think it's so important that we hear those stories. And I think it's important for brands to try and reflect those stories. And yeah, like I'm not an expert in diversity, but I do think that representation matters and making an effort to allow different stories to be told. And that even includes um, age. I, I Last year, last year or two years ago, Nix did this campaign about like, why do women over like 40 stop showing up in, in except for like a poise ad, even poise mm-hmm. ads are like, like, like depends and stuff. They're all like, 20 somethings. And, you know, they, we just stop seeing women exist after a certain age and men just keep going. So I do think even representation in the longevity of what it is to be a woman is, is so important. And, but I do think there's always going to be a long way to go. I mean, we see Victoria's Secret right now. They're like all hyped that they're expanded sizing and they're going up to like a, an XL or a double XL, but they canceled the angel show. I've literally DM'd them. They've never read it, but I'm like, please <laughs> don't take away the angel show because so many of us are just waiting to see an angel rock that runway in a body that isn't the one that we, that harmed us the whole time growing up. I would love to see that difference. I think uh, Rihanna's a really good example of like that runway thing. I think that when we see it and like Cat from Euphoria, you realize how attractive it is, how beautiful it is and like how beauty isn't Beauty and sexuality and attractiveness is not a singular facet, and it can't be. So it is so cool that we're seeing it kind of blow open that way, but it's a chipping away. It's going to take some time, but I think we're getting there, and I don't think it's just because it's, like, popular and cool. I yeah. think that there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that you said that you had to do a shift in your social media and you kind of stopped showing up for a little bit because you really had to like make a change in your own life. But when you were on social media, when you were making that shift, did you ever receive like hate comments that kind of set you back? Or how did you not let others' opinions or other people's, you know, comments and, and things that they said affect you or like affect your your journey to like better yourself? Or or did you not yeah. see that? Yeah, I definitely like I kept journeying through social media, but it it just like slowly shifted. Uh, I never went away, though. So I definitely had to hear like those, oh, you've let yourself go types of comments, which was funny because when I was still basically starving myself, I was also just like ridiculed for not doing enough or like you're not doing pushups the right way. It was like I was never going to be enough. And so whenever I hear that term, like letting myself go, I just remind myself that I just let myself go from their standards. I let myself go from their expectations. I let myself go live in what mine are. I let myself go be who I am. I let myself, you know, grow. I let myself heal. I didn't let myself go anywhere. I came home. Like Mm -hmm. this is truly not something to be ashamed of, but there was so, there was a lot of that. And I think when you have really created so much value around what you 
you look like, it's it takes a lot of unconditioning to defocus that. So it, it took some time for like truly years for me to chip away even that, you know, showing my stretch marks for the first time. Like I think I wanted to vomit the first time I ever posted anything like that. And uh, now I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit. I'll do whatever. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> but that's what's so cool, right? Like there's there's something so cool about freeing yourself from stuff because it's just no longer something that has this grip on you. It doesn't have this hold on you anymore. It's like when we were talking about self-love, like showing up, like you yeah. were nervous to post that photo, but you did it anyways. And yeah, continuing to build that confidence and add to that, I think is so important because a lot of people probably looked at that and was like, oh my God, she must be so confident for posting that. I or she, like, I want to be able to do that. Or I want to be able to like show up as my authentic self online. But like, I don't have her confidence yet, but it's just doing it. You know, it's doing it when yeah. you're afraid. Yeah, I still have to acknowledge I used a ridiculous amount of filters, a ridiculous amount of Facetune, and now I don't because I was able to journey through and pass that. And the worst thing that somebody could have done for me back then was made me feel worse about something that I already felt bad about. So I I think that there just needs to be a whole lot of compassion for everybody being at different stages of the journey in how they show up online and where they find that vulnerability. When somebody wears no makeup for the first time, that might be a huge one. If they're wearing it outfit that they feel is not them, quote unquote, that might be them showing up vulnerably. We we don't know what that looks like. But yeah, to your point, like when somebody would look at that photo and be like, oh my God, like you look so amazing. Like you look so confident. Like you're so brave. I'm like, you know what? As much as I hate sometimes when people are like, you're so brave. I'm yeah. like, for just <laughs> existing? Like yeah. I didn't really do anything. I do get that moments of these are true bravery. Like I was shaking on my knees and I showed up and and that is brave. That is courageous, right? And And we all, you know, for anybody who's ever struggled with mental health, they know what courage is because they know it the second they roll out of bed and they get up and put their feet to the floor. That is courage. Like that is bravery. And that is like showing up to like do the job and and figure out how to move through that day. And I think we all do that in so many different ways. And uh, it's an really important and part of our self-love. And that's why I just, I hate the shame train. I'm not here for any of it. If you're dieting, I don't care. Mm -hmm. If you're face tuning, I don't care. If you're filtering, I don't care. Like I know what it was like to be there. So I'd rather show up and support you knowing that you're probably going to come to another side where you're going to need support. And I'm not going to be one of the people that shook their fingers at you along the way. Yeah. Well, I like that a lot because it's a lot of people on social media will point the finger or shame someone or be like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing that because I mm. think it makes them feel better because like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. So I must be better than you. But then like, you probably have a lot of things you're doing that people would shame you for. So why are yeah. you continuing that cycle. Like, I just don't get it. Why people feel the need to like leave hate comments or call out something of someone on social media that they don't know, or try to shame them. Cause I'm like, if this was flipped and you were on the other side of this, you would not like this. So like, why yeah. are you telling people that? And why are you doing that? Like, I, I just can never understand the point of that. So I really love that you make it an intention to like not do yeah. that to people. And it's important too, because we're very good at like the way it's, it takes a lot of like self-monitoring. For instance, like when we talk about beauty standards and stuff like that, and people would be like, Botox, bad. Like that's a beauty standard. How dare you? Hair color, totally fine. Nail polish, yeah. totally fine. Makeup, totally fine. You know what I mean? Like we go down these, like, and but we're all like, women should have choices over their bodies, but not that choice. I don't like that one. Like let's erase that one. Oh, you got your boobs done. That's like, 
I don't know, so patriarchal. Like, no, let's not do it because at the end of the day, I know so many people who have gotten breast implants and then had them explanted. I know others who have kept them and loved them. I also know, you know, a lot of plastic surgery is incredibly important for those who are going through like a gender change, right? Like going through uh, like the whole trans community. So we're just, we don't need to be so rigid about stuff. I'm very much of a sense of that's not a choice that I would make for myself, Mm -hmm. but that's okay because I lived an entirely different life. And I super support everything that you're doing because you're living your life and you're making your decisions. And again, I'm not going to be part of the shame train. I think that we just need to support each other more and shame less and stop and forget that like people wearing makeup or doing their hair or getting Botox, you're not feeding into a beauty standard. You're somebody who has existed in this society who has received a beauty standard that caused you to maybe make these decisions. I don't know why I get my hair colored. Sometimes I don't think that I need to answer that question. I just am like, (laughs) this is what I like. Did a beauty standard make me like it? Maybe, but I just don't have the energy for that. This is what I like right now, and I'm choosing it. And and I think that we need to be able to stand behind our decisions for things like that too, right? Because it can just go so far down. You can be like stripped naked of all of it and like completely au naturel, and somebody will still find fault at your decision making. So we got to just find what works for us, what feels healthy for us, what feels loving to us, and advocate the hell out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's also none of your business if someone decides to do something and it doesn't matter. And like you said, where does it stop? Like, oh, are Mm -hmm. you now going to shame people for getting eyelash extensions? Because like their natural eyelashes aren't like that or, you know, okay, like using self-tanner or dyeing their hair, like you said, or whatever, or wearing contacts or anything. Like, where does it stop if you're constantly going to shame someone? Just because you would not do something does not mean that other people should not do something thing either. Like hundred percent. Everyone should make their own choice. And that choice should be respected if not agreed upon. You can respect it, right? And I think that that's respect is sort of the key word because we're not always going to agree, but we can respect each other. Exactly. Yeah. And I know we also talked a lot about showing up for yourself. That's the way to gain confidence. It's a way to like mm-hmm. show up and practice self-love, if you will. But what are some ways that you show up for yourself every day? You know, uh, there was, you know, speaking of the whole beauty standard and makeup and stuff like that, there was a time where I really felt like I had to wear makeup in order to be accepted. So I was like, I need to wear less makeup. I need to like fall in love with myself. And then I missed it. I was like, I really loved that part of the day. And I really had to take a step back and like reevaluate what makeup meant to me. And it wasn't a mask. It was actually something that was reflecting how I felt. So big part for me is my life is chaotic. I have four kids. I'm running a business. I'm somehow doing a ridiculous amount of things. And I don't have a ton of time. So when we talk about like self-care and self-love, I can't say a bubble bath because I don't have time (laughs) for a bubble bath. I barely have time for a body rinse in the morning. So I have time to bookend my day with something that feels incredibly chaotic. And that's skincare. Like skincare for me, I'm a, I'm not like a junkie, but I just love it because it's just these moments of self-touch. It's a moment just myself and I in the mirror. It's just a form of self-care. It's a nourishment. And I can start my day with it and I can end my day with it. So whether I wear makeup that day, if I do a bunch of things or if I lay on the couch all day, it's like this intentional moment of self-love because along the way, as I've paid attention to what makes me feel good and the moments that make bring me joy, 
that was a big one. That was a really, really big one. And I'm a little bit of a dork about it. I love to ask people like, what are you using on your skin? Like, why do you have no pores? I want to learn more about this. <laughs> I love skincare. And so it is one of those things that, and I didn't in my twenties, it's definitely like a something in my thirties thing, but I don't know. It's a great way to, it's a great way to move through our lives. If I only have five minutes, then how can I show up for myself? And that's typically what sets me up for success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like that because it's realistic and it doesn't Mm. have to be a 20 step self-love routine. Like I feel like a lot of times we'll see, even like on TikTok, we see like the that girl aesthetic. Oh my God. I'm so tired of, I can't be that girl because I don't have time to be that girl. I also don't love that kind of smoothie. So I can't do that. I think the that girl thing is like, but like when we say that girl aesthetic, like everybody knows what they're talking about. Like everybody knows who that girl is. And then it sets a whole section of us being like, you're not that girl. And let me tell you, very, very gorgeous, gorgeous, successful girls are not that girl. And we're doing great. And we've got five minutes and three steps in our skincare. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. and, you know, make a smoothie and go to the farmer's market and do like yoga and then go on a walk. I would love to know if they actually do that or if that's like the most idealistic day. I, I think don't know it's if they a, actually do that. I think it's one like, okay, I'm filming this today. Like I need to do all yeah, this stuff. Like, I, think, a, I, think I need to have an exciting is. day. Yeah. Yeah. If I vlogged, it would be so full of like, oh, checking my phone. Oh, I got distracted. Oh, I did this. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how people have a smooth day like that. But I love I love watching them. Like I love seeing what people do. But a lot of times I'm like, God, this is so unrealistic. Like I just cannot. So I'm not that girl and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think it's important to say like, you can still show up for yourself. You can still do this routine of yours and it can be five minutes and you know, like, yeah, that's okay too. Like it doesn't need to be this long, extensive thing. Like I remember there was one era like of YouTube and Instagram where like everyone was using like bath bombs. And I just remember like lush. everyone, yes. the lush I bath I still bombs. love them. Yeah. Yes. But like, I never take baths. Like, I'm just like not a bath person. They were like $10 a piece. Yeah. like a $10 bath. And I remember going and I would like buy some of them. And I'm like, I literally do not take a bath. Like, why am I buying these? Like, I only shower. Like, I never like sit in the tub and just like relax. But like, I wanted to like buy those things. And I wanted to get like the the little rack that goes in your tub so you can like Mm -hmm. watch TV. Like a glass of wine, maybe a book. So unrealistic. Always spills. Always drop the book. But like it looks so nice. And so I got caught up and like, should I do that? And I'm like, no, I'm literally never going to do that. Like ever. I haven't done it in the past 20 years. I probably won't do it now just because I have a bath bomb. So it's like that sort of mentality where like, it's okay if you don't do that. You can have something for five, you can do a five minute routine and it's still, it still works for you. Yeah. You don't need to be that girl. As long as you're your girl as long as you're you and you're long as you're doing your thing and you love those things like screw it the rest of it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. yeah but Sarah this was amazing having you on I'm very happy that you decided to come on my podcast and I think this conversation went so well and I really loved hearing just about your journey also just about you know self-love showing up for yourself body confidence so thank you so much for coming on my podcast Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. It's lovely to talk to a younger generation. (laughs) I love it. No, it's very fun. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. 
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.